I interact with folks leaving ministries regularly. You might not know that, but as I like to say, we live on the underbelly of Christianity, that untidy place, that kind of dirty place, the difficult place, challenging spot where most good old regular Christians don't live. And because of that, we interact with all the problems. Well, one of those problems is people leaving ministries. And and that ha- again, that does happen somewhat regularly. And it reminds me of something that many believers don't think about when they leave. And I want to talk about that thing in this podcast. In fact, we had a an excellent discussion in our mastermind room, our private forums on our website where our mastermind team gathers daily and weekly and we talk about everything. And so we were talking about this idea of leaving a ministry, maybe leaving a an organization like ours or leaving a local church or leaving an employer. I'm talking about leaving something big, something that's important to you. And the reason this has come up and the reason we had this discussion on our Mastermind Forums uh, just a few days ago is that in the last three weeks, I've had three encounters with people leaving churches and ministries. Now, again, that is not unusual. As I said, I do this somewhat regularly. I spent over one hour one and a half hours this morning talking with someone who is in process of leaving his church that he he and his family have they have been there for a while and so this is a common thing and i shared some of these things with him i did let him know by the way that i was doing this podcast because as we were talking i thought you know, this podcast has been in the hopper for about two weeks now. I've been thinking about this for a while. And actually, the idea that I'm going to share with you, I've been thinking about it for years, but I finally decided I'd do a podcast on it. And so a couple of weeks ago, I, I put it in my muse chamber and started thinking through it. And then, lo and behold, I had a conversation with this guy this morning about leaving his church. And I thought, well, I'm going to come right around and do a podcast on it, and he'll think I'm talking about him I'm not talking about you, but I am saying that I just had a 90-minute conversation about this issue this morning. There is an aspect to these exits, whether it's a ministry, a church, or employment, that you don't typically hear about, and that's why I want to share it with you. Welcome to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. This is episode 243, How to Leave Churches, Ministries, Employers, etc. And so you can read everything that I'm going to share with you. You can look at these show notes. I also have a bunch of embedded links, which we typically do with our articles and show notes for the Life Over Coffee. So if you want to do more, Uh, then just hear the podcast or read the article content, which is a mirror of the podcast. You can do a deeper dive, a deeper study into the topic at hand. And so, again, that's episode 243. Now, the specific point that I want to tease out in this episode is when you're thinking about leaving, is communicating with the appropriate people before you leave. I'm talking about, Paul said in Romans twelve ten that let let one another uh, love one another with brotherly affection, sentence one. And then in the same verse, sentence two, he said, outdo one another in showing honor 
I want to talk specifically about showing honor to the leadership when you leave. Now, I know what some of you are hearing already, and you're heading towards your keyboards because you're keyboard warriors, and you've got something to say because you're, you, you're, you're not hearing what I am saying, and so let me explain a little more. The point of this podcast is showing honor to your leadership before you leave. Now, I have written about other aspects of leaving a church. And so if you think about leaving a church or an organization, you can think about it like a a piece of pie, and there's 12 pieces of pie in it, 12 slices in it. I am only speaking of one slice, okay? That's all about showing honor to the leadership, to the church, before you leave. Now, if you want to read other slices of the how to leave an organization or a church pie, I do have those articles here embedded in the show notes. But in this episode, I want to deal with one specific point, which is showing honor to those who have invested in your life before you leave. Now, there are other people who are hearing this as well, and they're saying, well, it's about time, Rick, because you talk about spiritual abuse, you talk about authoritarian church models, you talk about bad leaders, you do that a lot. This time, I'm talking about those good leaders, those good pastors. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. I'll give you three illustrations. When I, were, when I was a pastor, I had the opportunity to pastor for five years. There were instances when folks would approach me and they would say something like this. Hey, Rick, we've been praying about attending another church and this is our last Sunday. Thank you for serving us, but it's time for us to move on. Any thoughts you have for us? <laughs> don't, don't do that. In this illustration that I just gave you, there was no friction between them and me. There was no friction between us. The relationship was good then and now. And so, again, I'm not talking about abusive, authoritarian, heavy-handed leadership situations where it probably wouldn't be wise for you to say anything to your leaders, but you need to head for the hills just as fast as you can go. I am not talking about that. And so when they come and say, hey, we've been praying about this for a while, and this is our last Sunday. Thank you for serving us. It's time for us to move on. Any thoughts you have for us? I have zero thoughts for you. It's too late to ask me my thoughts. You're not honoring, in this case, you're not honoring your pastor or your leadership, because if you do have a good relationship with them, you should honor them by bringing them into the process to talk about it. Not so they can talk you out of it, but it's just a matter of honor. And so that's my point. Let me give you two more illustrations. Hey, Mom, I started dating this guy. What do you think? Well, if you were really honoring your mother, or your father in this case, or in this case the mother, but in any case, You would ask them, what do you think, before you make a major decision? Let me give you one other illustration. Hey, Pastor, I got a job in Wisconsin, and we're leaving next week. And that's the first time that the pastor hears about it. Now, in all three of these illustrations, 
there's a good relationship between the authority, the pastor, the mom, the, the dad. There's a good relationship between them and the person who is making the exodus to Wisconsin, to the other church, or dating the boy. And so again, the aspect that I'm dealing with in this podcast is how to appropriately honor the people who have invested in your life before you make a major decision. This is something that you don't hear a lot about. You hear a ton about how to run for the hills in an abusive situation, and that would be a different matter. If you're in a if if you are in an abusive relationship, whether it's marriage, parental, church, business, then what you need to do, it would be the height. It, it would be the height of, of unkindness to expect those people to go to that kind of leadership and, and try to uh, and, and to honor them and share, share with them, you know, why you are leaving the relationship. No, that would just set you up for more abuse. But in other situations, like what I just illustrate, like I just gave you, they never ask for input, but they let you know about the decision, and then they leave. And so this podcast is about frictionless relationships, not abusive ones. Unfortunately, people who only have experiences with controlling relationships may interpret the point of this podcast as authoritarian authoritarian heavy-handedness. And what they would be doing, and that's why I'm being a little bit redundant here on the front end, because what they're doing is they're mapping their experience over what I'm saying rather than hearing what I'm saying. But I do understand that, because if you have been in an abusive relationship, like, say, a legalistic church culture, you only know one way of thinking about things— And it is heavy-handed authoritarianism, and so when someone talks about going to the leadership to work things out, it just sets them on fire, or it causes so much fear to come over them. And what they're doing is they're mapping their past experience over what I'm saying, and it's, 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 uh, it's hindering them from hearing what I'm really saying. And so the three people that I've talked to in the last three weeks, here's how that went. One of those individuals left his local church, but he discussed it with the leadership, okay? And then the second person, which I mentioned already, I I spent 90 minutes talking to him this morning. He is in process of leaving, but he's undecided about talking to his leadership. Now, in his case, he has an authoritarian church pastor, And so we're talking through that, uh, how to honor his pastor, uh, but yet realizing that talking to him has been proven futile, not just for him, but a hundred other people as well. And and so there's that one. And then we had another person who, who left without talking. So one left with talking, one left or is leaving and is undecided for reasons that I mentioned, and then one left without honoring their leadership, and it was a frictionless good relationship. And so the question that I want to tease out in this podcast is Paul's language in Romans 12.10 about outdoing one another and showing honor. Now, when he says outdoing one another, he's not talking about competing with each other, which is how it could sound in the English language, but he's talking about being out in front. Outdoing one another is like being out in front 
which is a matter of biblic- of a biblical leader. A biblical leader is out in front. So what we're talking about specifically is biblical leadership when it comes to leaving an organization, a church, a vocation. Again, the verse is, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And so I want to list for you 12 reasons that people leave the wrong way without doing it the right way. And I would just ask the Spirit of God, I mean, ask you to ask the Spirit of God to help you to examine yourself and see if any of these things have a controlling influence on your life. Because if any of these control you, then they could very well inhibit you from leaving the right way. And so these are in no particular order. All of them were not mine. As I said, we had a conversation in our mastermind room. If you want to be a mastermind student, if you want to go through our discipleship program, I appeal to you to really consider it because it's more than you think. It's more fun than you think. It's more comprehensive than you think. However you think, I'm telling you, it's more comprehensive. We have a lot of com- we have a lot of pneumatic conversations that's not in the course material like this. This idea that I'm sharing with you, I've never shared it in 12 years of this ministry as far as writing it out, putting it in an article, or doing a full-length podcast as I'm doing now. And that's what we do in our mastermind program. We have these pneumatic, in-the-moment, spirit-led conversations. And so some of these 12 reasons aren't mine, uh, but they're some of my students. And I put it together here because, and I wanted to share it with you because it will benefit you. All right, no particular order. Number one, as you might imagine, would be Adamic fear. Adamic, Adam, in Adam, fear. And what I'm talking about is fear of man. If you struggle with fear of man and you're going to leave an organization, it will be very difficult for you to show honor to the leadership of the organization. Now, you could say fear of man, fear of pastor. There's a lot of fear of pastor. And I'm talking about good church environments. I'm going to stop saying that. But I just know that some people can only hear one thing because of those shaping influences. But they have fear of pastor. And you'll see this in some church cultures. Or fear of ministry leader. If you, if you have a ministry leader, you probably have a... If they're really a good leader, they are a strong leader, which means they, they leave an impression and an influence on you. And so you could have you know, fear of Rick or fear of whatever ministry leader that you are a part of. It'd be like a, a student in elementary or, or middle school or high school, fear of teacher, for example. It's an authoritarian figure who, again, is a good person, but they have such a powerful influence on your life that you could succumb to fear of man. And so Adamic fear is a deal. It's a big deal in some people's lives. Number two, shaping influences. And this, I've already mentioned, that people can take bad things from their past, and it becomes the soil where where fear does grow. Now, I mentioned Adamic fear in the context of fear of man. Shaping influence is, a, is another kind of fear. It's not... It's probably an amalgamation of Adamic fear and your past. 
And the point, the reason I want to isolate this is because it's such a big, big deal. Because people who have had heavy-handed experiences can easily map what they know over their future relationships. Like those who come from legalistic cultures, people who come from legalistic cultures typically have no category for grace-based encounters. And so they just assume that if they disagree with the leadership or if they're going to, they feel like they need to leave the leadership, they'd be scared to death. You know, to say anything about it because of their shaping influences. They have no category for it, and they just believe that they're going to be placed in the Christian penalty box because they have a different opinion. Now, this fear is real and painful for them. And if you struggle with fear based on shaping influences, as I've described here, or fear as far as a damnic fear that comes, it comes with our factory settings, fear of man, fear of pastor, fear of ministry leader, fear of school teacher, you know, whatever, fear of boss. Uh, If you have this, you need to deal with it because it'll be hard for you to show honor if you struggle in these two ways. Number three, maturity versus immaturity. Some people are just immature, or you, you could say ignorant here. It never occurred to them that there's such a thing as Christian etiquette or a biblical way of doing things. They just don't know. I mean, think back when God first saved you. When I think back, I was 25 years old. I look back, I mean, I don't know a lot now, but I knew far less back then as far as Christian etiquette is concerned. What, I'm, what I mean by that is a biblical way of doing things. And so it's the difference between maturity and immaturity. It's just immaturity. They don't know, but that's why I'm doing this podcast. Number four, deception. Let me give you an illustration of that. And this is how people will come, come to you. And I'm not saying that everybody that has come to me who said this is being deceptive. But I have seen it enough times to know that some have. I have prayed about it. And in the, in the context of what, how I'm using it here, not as an across-the-board judgment for everybody that's ever prayed. That's ridiculous. But in the context of how I'm using it here, they use the I have prayed about it as a way to sanctify their desire to leave. Basically, what they're doing is they drop the God card on the table and it soothes their conscience at the moment. Unfortunately, what they don't know is that it will harden your conscience over over time if you're not really being honest. And so in this context, I'm talking about people who are not being honest about why they want to leave, and they use the I have prayed about it as a way of sanctifying it and, and basically putting spin on it. And it, it will soothe their conscience at the moment. They'll feel okay about it at the moment. But if that is a practice, it'll harden your conscience, and eventually you'll be so blind you'll not be able to perceive truth. So number four is deception. Number five, they don't want someone to talk them out of their decision. Yeah, it's a thing. Sometimes when folks make a decision, they talk to others because you should get input from others, but they don't talk to people who would dare challenge their opinions or their assumptions. And so they couch their decision-making within the biblical framework of seeking advice, but they ask those who will give them innocuous, unbiblical, or insufficient counsel. And what is going on here is they want to control the narrative of their lives. They don't want to be talked out of it. 
And so they go through the biblical process. By the way, this is the way to harden your conscience's way. There is a, a little, there's a skosh of deception in here as well. Because they go through a so-called biblical process of asking people, but it's asking people who won't challenge their opinions or their assumptions. They don't want to be talked out of it. That's number five. Number six of 12, they don't want to do the hard thing. Perhaps there is something about staying that would require them to do things that they aren't comfortable doing. I am not speaking of doing unbiblical things. I am talking exclusively of something that would help them to mature in Christ. But they just don't want to do the hard thing. And then tied to that, number seven, they have a habit of running. These are two different things, but you can see how they're somewhat kissing cousins. This idea is similar. When things get tough, they have a habit of leaving. They don't understand or they don't desire practical biblical endurance. Endurance builds character. It's one of the primary ways that the Lord strengthens his children. But some people not just don't want to do the hard thing. They're not comfortable doing the hard thing. But they have also developed a habit of running, and that is not good. Number eight, they are lazy. Now, you can tie this one, laziness, to the previous two. They don't want to do the hard thing. They have a habit of running. They are lazy. You could also throw in here a lack of self-control, bringing their mind up under the submission of Christ. And, and it's, it's, it's essential, and the reason I want to tease this one out, laziness, is because slothfulness, I mean, if it's true, what you're going to find with this person is that there will be other areas of their life where you will see laziness or slothfulness as part of their lives, not just in this area of bolting when, when, the, tough, when the task gets tough. And then we have self-reliance. Self-reliance, when a person is up against something that they can't control, they rely on themselves rather than trusting, on, uh, trusting the Lord, which is what self-reliance is. And so if the situation proves to be an unmovable object, in order for them to be self-reliant, the only way they can continue to be self-reliant is they have to leave. You see, if you live as a self-reliant person, you have to control everything. But when you run into the unmovable object and you still want to hold on to your self-sufficiency, well, in order to be self-sufficient in a situation that you can't control, you have to leave the situation. And leaving enables them to stay within their self-reliant framework. But there is a problem. Their world becomes smaller. Eventually, the self-reliant person will continue to run into things that they can't control. And if they don't repent of their self-reliance, they will continue to leave one thing after another because they always have to live in a self-controlled environment where they are controlling the narrative of their lives. But what that will do is it will shrink their world down to virtually nothing eventually. Now, alternatively, if, if they had perseverance, 
if they relied on the Lord, they would experience empowering favor, a different kind of strength, a different kind of power that comes from God. And, and their lives would begin to expand and they would begin to enjoy greater and bigger opportunities because they don't, they're not living in such a way that they have to control the narrative. And so God is giving them more and more to do and they're learning to trust him. As Paul said in Ephesians 4.13, I can, I can now do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the person who only lives within a self-reliant worldview will continue to adjust and move and shrink because they have to always be in control. And so self-reliance, the self-reliant person will leave without talking appropriately to the right people. And then number 10, they aren't open for input. Some folks just don't want to, they just don't want anyone to tell them what to do. It's just the way they are. They're just, they aren't open to input. Number 11, some people, they think that nobody cares. I mean, nobody here cares. And, and maybe you have con concluded that nobody cared if you stayed or if you left. And perhaps you are true, that you're right. But, but people's inadequacies should not be the thing that determines how you're going to live your Christian life. If, if they aren't going to lead, then I won't either. Do you hear that? Do you, do you hear what that statement says? I mean, if they don't care, I'm not going to care either. I'm not going to outdo. I'm not, if they're not going to outdo me showing honor, I'm not going to outdo them showing honor. No, the proper response is to lead when others don't lead. You outdo them showing honor. You're out in front. They may not care, but you can show them that you do care. Who knows? Maybe the Lord would use your example of outdoing one another and showing honor. That, that maybe it brings change in a heart or two. Number 11, it, the person doesn't. Uh, communicate with their leadership because they don't believe that the leadership cares, and they may be right in that. And then number 12, no culture of grace. Now, number 12 is different from the first 11. The first 11 things that I've mentioned to you are all about you and reasons for you to self-examine to see if anything, if any of these are true because if any of these are true for you, then it will hinder you from outdoing one another by showing honor. If you have a damn fear, fear of man, fear of pastor, fear of ministry leader, fear of employer, fear of school teacher, you, you would probably not go and, and, and have a civil, reasonable discussion about what the desire that you have on your heart. Number two is a shaping influence because of the horrific whatever that has happened in your past, that it still has so much control over you that you map that experience over your future relationships. And now you're in that relationship and you won't move forward in it in a way that could be transformative because your, your presupposition says it's not going to go well for you, even though that's not true. Shaping influences. Number three, immaturity, ignorance. It just never occurred to you that there's such a thing as Christian etiquette. Number four, deception. 
this uh, the illustration I use, I prayed about it as a way of sanctifying your desire, which eventually will harden your conscience. Number five, I don't want to be talked out of my decision. And so I'll even talk to people and get advice, but I'll get advice from those who will give me insufficient counsel. Number six, I don't want to do the hard thing, but perhaps staying would challenge me and help me to mature in Christ, but I just don't want to do the hard thing. Number seven, I have a habit of running. This is what I do. Biblical endurance is not mine. Number eight, uh, laziness. I'm just a slothful person. Number nine, self-reliance. Apparently, I got more than 12 here. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, self-reliance, where I have to be in control all the time. Nine, ten. No, that's right. Number 10, I'm not open to input. I'm just stubborn. And then number 11, I don't think anybody cares. And so I'm just going to be like them. I'm not going to care either. Bad idea. And then number 12, this one's different. There's truly no culture of grace within the context uh, that you're living. There, there's no environment of grace, and so, and so you leave. And as I've said already, this episode is not about authoritarian or abusive situations, but it's about how you should explore your motives. But I am adding this last point because I do understand that it is a deal. And even though it is a big deal, I really do want you to spend more time thinking about the log in your eye than the speck that may be in your leadership's eye. This is episode 243. If you want to talk to us about it, I would love for you to do that. How to leave churches, ministries, employers, etc. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.